Well, good morning, ladies, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you here, and as well as those who are listening on the podcast. And that's right, 10 more days until Christmas. And to some of you, that might bring on a little fear or anxiety, but at the same time, there's this little spark of joy in there. Christmas is almost here. The hustle, the bustle, the shopping, the wrapping, the cooking, the cleaning, the baking, the gatherings, perhaps gatherings with some difficult family dynamics and the fear of upcoming visa bills. But then there's the singing of carols, the decorating, the lights, putting up our trees and nativity sets, reading stories of Jesus's birth with our children or grandchildren, the beautiful season of fresh snowfalls and where everything around us us leads us to focus on Jesus more as we celebrate his birth. And that's just how we started out our Matthew study in chapter one with the birth of Jesus. This new life. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream telling him that Mary will bear a son and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. After Jesus was born, when the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Matthew presents Jesus as the king, the long-awaited Messiah. Matthew tells us who Jesus is and what it means to be a part of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. We saw the life and ministry of Jesus. We heard his sermons, his teachings. We saw him perform miracle after miracle, all things pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is the promised Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God all pointing to Jesus as king, king of kings. The Gospel of Matthew reveals how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, his birth, his death, his ministry. We left off last week in chapter 27, Jesus being ridiculed, humiliated, mocked, beaten, tried, and condemned. Jesus was crucified. Jesus, our King, now dead. But this is not the end of the story. It might be Christmas in less than two weeks, but we're going to think Easter right now. Why? Because today we're looking at the resurrection story. Chapter 28 is not a very long chapter compared to some of the other chapters that we we were studying. And so I'll break it up into three small sections. Verses 1 to 10, a risen Lord. Verses 11 to 15, a cover-up. And verses 16 to 20, a great commission. Let me just pray for us as we begin. Lord, we ask that you be with us at this time as we study this chapter together and as we bring our women's Bible study of Matthew to a close We thank you for the months of studying that we've done together. Um, All that you have revealed to us in your word. And so today, Lord, we ask that you please do the same, that you reveal yourself to us 
and bring us into a deeper understanding of who you are and your love for us. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, did he or didn't he? Did Jesus rise from the dead or didn't he? Is it important if he did or didn't? He died on the cross, isn't that enough? Jesus was crucified to pay for our sins so that we can be forgiven and be made right with God. Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. On the cross, Jesus took on all our sins. He bore the punishment that was due us. We read in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. If Christ didn't die on the cross, we would still be in our sins. We would be unforgiven and we wouldn't be redeemed. But there's more. It doesn't end here with his death. Jesus's resurrection from the dead would be proof, proof that he was who he claimed to be, that he was the risen son of God, the Messiah, the savior of the world, the hope of our salvation, that sin and death are defeated, in Romans 4, 25, the Apostle Paul reminds us that it is Jesus who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It is only then that God declares us righteous. Jesus' resurrection declares us righteous. So is our Lord a living Lord? Let's look and see what Matthew 28 has to say. Verses 1 to 10, a risen Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. It was very early Sunday morning, the morning after the Sabbath. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James, the same two Marys that followed Jesus from Galilee to care for him. The same two Marys that were there at the tomb when Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body, wrapped it and placed it in the tomb. The same two Marys are now very early in the morning heading to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. There wasn't much time to anoint Jesus' body. It was a hurried process getting um, his body prepared for burial because of work restrictions on the Sabbath. 
So they headed to the tomb now to give Jesus a proper burial. They headed to the tomb, expecting to find a dead body to anoint with spices, spices that would eliminate the smell of decay and decomposition. But when they got there, it wasn't what they were expecting. We read in verse 2 that, Behold, look, fix your attention on this. There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was a violent earthquake, and now there's another earthquake. And the huge stone, this 4,000-pound stone that covered the entrance of the tomb, it was rolled back by an angel. And then what does this angel do? He sits on it like he owns it. Victory, look what I just did. This angel, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And verse four, and, the, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The guards, rough, tough soldiers, ones that were trained for battle, they could take on anything. Well, anything but an angel. These guards trembled. They became like dead men. They passed out, fainted. They were so afraid. There's this earthquake. There's this amazingly bright angel. And that massive stone rolled away, broken seal and all. And so here come the women. Imagine the sun is just starting to crack open. And in the quietness, they can hear the birds beginning to chirp and sing. And the women are carefully carrying a handful of spices. And, and if there's Anything like me, they're most likely still crying, wiping back tears as they continue to mourn the death of their dear friend, Jesus. They, but they, when they arrive, they arrive only to see bodies of soldiers all over the ground. And then there's this angel sitting on a rock in front of them, a majestic-looking angel, yet obviously frightening, frightening. And we think, what is going on? But they're told, do not be afraid. Well, we knew the soldiers were afraid. Look what happened to them. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Fear, joy, fear, joy. Talk about mixed emotions. Something I think women can relate to. Fear, the blinding angel, these soldiers like dead men. Is Jesus dead? Could he be alive? He is not here. He has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Okay, well, maybe that joy is starting to kick in. The angel invites them to look inside. Come, see, look at the evidence. It's empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus is not here. He has risen. And the stone, it wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could be let out. No, the stone was rolled away to let people come in. Come in, look, see, Jesus is risen. He's alive, just like he said he would. But not only is he risen, but they are told by the angel that they will see him. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. These women were commissioned to go and to tell. 
Take this good news. Don't stay here. Don't keep it to yourself. Go. Go and tell others. Sound familiar? Sounds like another commission that we're going to see at the end of this chapter. So off they went with fear and great joy to tell his disciples. And as they run off, they meet Jesus. Greetings, says Jesus. Greetings, really? Not like, ladies, here, look at me, I'm alive, great to see you. You know, can you believe it? Here, it, here I am, it's me. No, he, he just sees them and he just gives a simple greeting, a simple hello. And in verse 9, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They humbly fall at his feet in reverence, worshipping him. The last time they saw him, he was dead, being placed in a tomb. And now what a joy it must have been to touch him and know that he was there, that he was real and he was alive. There's that fear and that joy again, but Jesus tells them not to be afraid. And then he commissions them, just like the angel did. Go, tell. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Take this good news. Don't stay here. Don't keep it to yourself. Go, go and tell the others. A risen Lord. Matthew shows us here in these verses that Jesus was resurrected from the dead with a physical body. In the next section, verses 11 to 15, there's a cover-up. Jesus' enemies try to cover up and lie about Jesus' resurrection. If we remember from last week's lesson, there were many precautions taken by the priests and the Pharisees. Precautions because they remembered that Jesus said he would rise after three days, so they needed to do something about that. Those precautions included the placement of a large two-ton stone to be rolled in front of the tomb, a Roman seal to be placed over the tomb, and an order by Pilate for a guard of soldiers to watch the tomb. The massive stone and the sealed tomb would make it extremely hard for someone to come and steal the body of Jesus. Let's say someone could actually move the two-ton stone, then the seal would break. And if the seal was broken, the Roman seal that was placed by the highest authority, if it was broken, it would be a violation of Roman law. And that meant punishment by death. So these guards had a huge responsibility. They were responsible to watch the tomb. They were to guard it day and night for three nights, making sure that no one was going to steal the body. If these guards didn't accomplish their task, they themselves would be in danger of being put to death by Pilate. But there's this great earthquake, this amazingly bright angel, and these guards are now like dead men, not doing their job very well. Verses 11 to 15. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. 
and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The precautions that they took, the stone, the seal, the guards, nothing could keep Jesus from rising from the dead. As the women were on their way returning from the tomb, some of the guards, after they came to, looked around, got themselves up on their feet. They went to the chief priests. They didn't go to Pilate. They went to the chief priests. Remember, if they went to Pilate, they would have been in danger of, putting, um, of being put to death for not doing their job. So they go to the chief priests and tell them everything that had happened. They didn't make up a story. They didn't make up any excuses about anything. They told the truth. The earthquake, the angel, it rolled the stone away. The seal was broken. The tomb was empty. Jesus isn't there. His body is missing. All this news was discussed amongst the religious leaders so they could figure out what to do with this information. And the religious leaders decided to plan a cover-up, to lie about what had happened. They rejected the truth that was being told to them. How many times have they seen Jesus perform miracles? They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal the sick, drive out evil spirits, yet they didn't believe. And now what they feared the most, a resurrection, like Jesus said he would, it happened. But they still don't believe. Instead, they decided to pay off or bribe the soldiers to lie about what took place. And they would bribe Pilate if they had to as well. They couldn't deny the fact that the tomb was empty. They needed to come up with a story to keep people from believing what had really happened. They said to the guards, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. So basically, let's make up a story that his body was stolen while we were, while you were sleeping. Well, first of all, if you're sleeping, how do you know what's happening? If the guards were sleeping, how could they know that the disciples came? Armed soldiers, they take shifts. There's always some that need to be awake as they're guarding a body from being stolen or they would lose their life. And the disciples stealing the body, that really wasn't logical. Peter denied Jesus three times. And when Jesus was taken prisoner, the disciples ran and hid. And they themselves had a hard time believing that Jesus would be raised to life. These were disciples that were not very great um, powerful men that could overpower guards and move a two-ton stone and steal a body. These precautions, the stone, the seal, the guards, they couldn't stop Jesus from rising from the dead. And the leaders, they couldn't produce Jesus's body. A risen Lord. Matthew shows us here in these verses that Jesus was resurrected from the dead as it was attempted to being covered up with lies. What do you believe? The truth? The evidence? He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Or the lies, the stories that cover up the truth. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14 to 20, we read, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, 
whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. If Christ was not raised from the dead, the gospel is false. Believers in Jesus are still unforgiven for their sin, and we would be separated from God. Jesus said in John 14, 19, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Our hope is in Jesus and none other. In 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We are all sinners. We all deserve God's wrath. Jesus, the Son of God, he was without sin. Yet he took the punishment for us. He died on that cross for us. But it didn't end there. He defeated both sin and death. He rose from the dead, giving us a living hope. A hope rooted in Christ's love. A life we experience now and forever with him in glory. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in the fact that he died and rose again, you'll be saved. Salvation is found in no other name. And so now Matthew gives us a great commission. In the other Gospels, we're given more details when the disciples meet Jesus on the day of the resurrection. But Matthew chooses to skip all that and go to the time when Jesus promises to meet the disciples in Galilee, the place they would have considered home, the place where they did much work together. Let's read verses 16 to 17. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They worshipped him. They recognized that Jesus truly was the powerful son of God. Yet some doubted, meaning they were wavering. What did they doubt? Maybe they doubted that this really was Jesus. Maybe they doubted that he really was the son of God. Maybe they doubted that they actually were seeing Jesus with their own eyes. In verses 18 to 20, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus, crucified and raised up, exalted at the right hand of God. Jesus, he rules all things. He has authority to forgive sins. 
He has authority over death. He has authority over life. And now he commissions the disciples to go. He sends them out. Go, make disciples of all nations, Jews, Gentiles, everyone, baptizing them and teaching them. Go, Jesus says. Are we going? Are we going and sharing our faith? We are to take this good news, not to keep it to ourselves. Go, go and tell others. It reminds us of what the angel said to the Marys. Are we making disciples, making followers of Jesus? How do we do that? By inviting people into our lives, walking with them, helping them grow, teaching, training, showing them Christ? Are we going to all nations? Are we burdened not for only those in our neighborhood and in our country, but for those in all nations, even for unreached people groups? Are we baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in obedience, publicly expressing that we are following Christ? Are we teaching others all that he has commanded us to believe, love, forgive, pray, serve, to be humble, to be merciful? And behold, look, fix your attention on this. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do not doubt, do not fear, but be joyful, ready and equipped being obedient to his calling, surrendering to his authority. And may we boldly proclaim our risen Savior to the nations. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, God with us. Always, from the beginning of time, yesterday, today, and forever. This Christmas season, a season full of traditions, delicious foods, busy activities, and schedules, may we, as the wise men did, exceedingly with great joy, bow down and worship the one true King, our risen King, Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, I pray that during this Christmas season, you will seek him find him, and accept his gift of salvation to you. Jesus promises us that if we seek him, we will find him. So go, seek him, find him, so that you too can acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, as your King, so that you too can have a relationship with God, a life of hope, and his gift of life that will never end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, into this world, a baby born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us, to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for our sins. And not only did Jesus die, but he rose from the dead three days later, our living Savior, you promise that whoever believes in you will not die, but will have eternal life. We praise you that this Christmas and every Christmas we can celebrate the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And may, may we take the good news of this gift 
that you have given us. May we boldly and courageously share it with others, seeking opportunities to share the gospel message, sharing the good news of Jesus everywhere that you send us. And may your name be proclaimed to all the nations. So be with us, Lord, as we go, as we go and tell the world of your great love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.